Happy Thursday night, everybody. I know some people were, I, we had a question, John. Where were you on Wednesday night? You got to keep up with the new show schedule that we unveiled for you. We're doing Mondays. We're doing Thursdays. We're doing a little bit of Fridays. We're doing some post-game stuff Sunday. We're bringing you a lot of different stuff on the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. We've got a big, big episode for you tonight because we are joined by a very special guest to help us preview a gigantic game. I'm Anthony Cazenza. And that guy over there is John Sheeran. John, how you doing tonight, buddy? Doing well, man. It seems like now we're recording on every day except Wednesdays. So yeah, you guys are living <laughs> in November. You, you got to get up to December, catch up. To you got to, you got to catch up. You got to catch up. And uh, catching us up is a great guest that joined us for the a- to help preview the AFC Championship game last year. And we had such an awesome time talking with him. We were looking forward to this week really weeks ago, hoping that he would be available to come talk to us about this game and hoping that both teams would have a great schedule. He's a former Kansas City offensive lineman. He is now a co-host of the Believe in Chiefs podcast, Mr. Joe Valerio, joining the program. Mr. Valerio, how you doing? You changed venues and on us since you joined I did. us. <laughs> I did. Well, since I did, since I couldn't get the audio working, and that is every to all your listeners and followers, that was my fault. Couldn't get my audio working. It delayed us a little bit, but I I wanted to at least get a good background for you uh, if I couldn't get the audio working as uh, well as it should be. So I'm doing great, Anthony and John. I hope you guys are doing well. I hope you're, uh, you and your fans are as excited about I am uh, for this game. I think it's going to be a fantastic matchup. And, uh, it's, you know, it's probably one, you know, NFL players and, and most athletes, you know, don't believe – uh, in looking past teams, um, you know, I lived under the Marty Schottenheimer era, and as I know, as Ohioans, uh, you know that, that you probably are familiar with Coach Schottenheimer and oh, yeah. his brand, his brand of football. And uh, you know, he was the guy that always said, you know, the most important game is your next game. However, I have to admit, and I, you know, these guys are all human, right? There's a lot of Chiefs that have had this game circled on their calendar, regardless of how long away it was or how far away it may have seemed. They had to have been circling this. Uh, I know as a human being and as a competitor, I probably would have myself, you know, after what happened in the AFC championship game and in the regular season game as well. Well, you talked when you joined us, uh, gosh, I guess it was earlier this year, technically, uh, when, when you joined us, when you joined us, you know, you, I think you had predicted a Chiefs win, and I think most folks would have agreed with you at that point in time. I guess your reaction to what actually occurred in that game, I mean, I think I think the most surprising thing, especially you being an offensive lineman, was the, I guess, offensive line performance by the Bengals in that one that they kind of held up, given what happened the previous week against the Titans. So, I don't know, I guess your surprise level at the result of that game and just how far the Bengals ended up making it throughout that entire year. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you obviously history is always what you're looking at, right? You're, you're looking at history. And, and if the Chiefs were watching film, and of course, you're always going to watch the last game. And I think the Titans and the Chiefs defense were, were similar. I don't know if they were too similar, but they were relatively similar. And they had to be thinking, God, with that performance, uh, you know, we're going to be all over Joe Burrow, right? And it didn't happen. And the, the line stepped up. So you know, hats off to to them. And I think most importantly, my reaction to that game and, you know, my I'm not, you know, look, while I do, you know, cover the Chiefs, I play for the Chiefs. I, I don't I don't consider myself a homer. I you know, I've actually predict I predicted the Chiefs to lose uh, to the Bills several times when I when they have and not pat myself on the back that I'm some great prognosticator. But, you know, I'm I, I'm pretty objective, too. And you have to be right. Um, even though I'm, I'm a fan as well right, uh, of the Chiefs. But, you know, I think on paper, I think most people were thinking, you know, the Chiefs were going to be able to, to beat the Bengals that day unless something happened. However, I've kind of give incredible amount of credit to defensive coordinator of the Bengals because I thought what he did in the second half of that game was absolutely masterful, right? They didn't back down from Patrick Mahomes and the vaunted, you know, receiving core that they had last year, the way they were all playing. Um, you know, they used the, the or I should say, lack of momentum of that end of first half, you know, snafu with, you know, going for it and not going for the three points. And I'm telling you, there must have been some light bulbs going off in, in the locker room 
at that halftime adjustment period because I thought it was brilliant to drop eight in coverage, to rush three, to make the Chiefs force themselves to, to, to try to commit to some kind of a run game by rushing three, which they never did. And it just felt like there were – I don't know. I mean, it just felt like there were more Bengals out on the field than there were Chiefs on defense uh, during the second half of that game. So hats off, man. I, I thought it was a, a brilliant piece of coaching and, of course, an incredible effort by the offensive line that really I think were the two turning points in, in that game. So just staying with that game real quick, Joe Burrow said earlier this week, I believe it was his press conference, he was asked about you know quarterback matchups and like it's the media always paints it being quarterback versus quarterback. And Burrow's like, no, well, yeah, but it's really the quarterback versus the defense. And after that game, there was so much discourse about did Patrick Mahomes choke and did he not play as well as Joe Burrow and whatever, I mean, on and on and on. Like, how yeah. did you react to basically that fallout? Like, cause, because you, you said yourself, like, Lou and Arumo, incredible job you know, adjusting the second half? Like, how did you react to the whole Mahomes discourse about that second half performance? Well, yeah, real quick, John, I'll go to your comment. Whenever anybody talks about quarterback matchups, I always go back to a quote, and this is, this is related but not unrelated, uh, or, or it's unrelated but, not, but also related. Um, Tiger Woods, I remember once, when he, I think when he and, like, Rory McIlroy were really going at it, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was those two, and they, they were interviewing Tiger Woods, and I, I'm paraphrasing, they were like, well, Tiger, you know, what do you think about this big matchup with, with Rory? He's like, wait a minute, hold on. He goes, it's not like we go out on the 18th green and hit each other with our clubs, right? We're playing golf against the hole. We're playing against the ball, the course, ourselves, right? And that's what I, I always think about that comment that Tiger made when I think about these quarterback matchups because it's not like they're putting Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes on the 50-yard line and saying, all right, hit the crossbar. All right, first guy to hit the crossbar wins, like, it's not, you know, so the, the, those kind of things are always funny to me. And it's, it's, I'm, I'm glad you kind of brought that up, John, because it, you know, and you kind of recognize that as well. They're not, they're not playing against each other. Now, however, I, I will say that quarterbacks do feed off each other. I, I know that for a fact. I mean, I, I watched it with guys like, you know, with Joe Montana when, when we had the, the Elway uh, shootout on Monday night uh, back in 1993. I think about the 19. 19- uh, 94 game, uh, uh, Joe Montana against Steve Young. You know, they do feed off of each other. While they're not playing against each other, I think there's a level of, um, you know, competitiveness with these guys that they will change their game a little bit depending on what the other quarterback's doing. Um, you know, some of it's because of trying to get, you know, more time of possession, right? They, they're the ones that want to be out on the field. And I think they will either put themselves in a situation where they're forcing things to happen or they're, you know, overconfident in what they're doing. Like, I think it's more of a mental game with the other quarterback than it is a physical one, obviously, since they're not actually playing against each other. But, you know, look, I think I think these two have a tremendous amount of respect for each other. Uh, You know, I think I think Joe Burrow, you know, while he might not be having like the season you know, of all seasons as a quarterback, the kid's going to be, and I can say that because I'm I'm in my mid fifties now. um, The kid is, is going to be a great one. Like he's going to be a staple of this league forever, uh, you know, for as long as he plays and stays healthy. So, you know, I think he, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, you know, there's a a hand, you know, Jalen hurts now is coming to the forefront of, of that. I think, I think Justin Herbert, like, I think they're going to be, you know, the future of the NFL for the next 5, 10, 12 years, 15, 20, if they turn into a Tom Brady. Um, but I, but I, I really – I think they have a lot of respect for each other. And, you know, I think they're going to go into this game uh, with that, regardless of what Justin Reed has said on Twitter. <laughs> like, God, these guys – I mean, that was always the biggest thing in the locker room. Like, you'd be like, oh, guys. Like, well, we'd, luckily, I didn't have to deal with social media back then. We just actually had print – you know, or, or, you know, you guys would do radio interviews or, or TV interviews, but they tended to, uh, you know, not be as, uh, you know, not be as bad. But this whole stuff with social media and whatnot, thank goodness us old guys didn't have to deal with that because I don't know how some of these players deal with it. But going back to that comment about Justin Reed, like I, I think for the most part, taking taking the bulletin board uh, stuff that he's uh, material he's offered, I, I think the teams have a great amount of respect for each other. I really do. 
talking with Joe Valerio, co-host of the Believe in Chiefs podcast, former offensive lineman with the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, one of the things I want to talk about, and trust me, we will get to some of those comments from Justin Reed and some of the Bengals' <laughs> responses. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll cue some of those up in just a little bit here. But one of the things, just kind of as we continue to build up and what coming off of the AFC championship game and then kind of what we've seen this year, one of the things that I, I guess I kind of found surprising, I know Patrick Mahomes is amazing. I know Andy Reed is an amazing coach. They've built a good offensive line, but how – the Chiefs have seemingly been able to overcome, win a ton of football games without Tyreek Hill. Uh, and and Tyreek, I, I understand there's kind of some uh, off-the-field stuff early in his career, and then obviously the money issue and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, I, I just am still very surprised. I, I think they would – I still was confident they were going to put up a lot of points. They were going to do a lot of good things on offense. But that is a massive weapon, as you can see, what he's done in Miami. And yet the Kansas City Chiefs have seemingly not really skipped much of a beat – without him on the field there. I, I don't know. Walk us through that a little bit and walk us through some of the other weapons and what you've seen from them kind of picking up the slack from Tyreek Hill. Yeah, no, that's a great question, Anthony. I, 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 you know, I think, I think what the chiefs have done is they've, they've diversified the receiving core for sure. Right. I mean, they finally have, you know, in MVS, they finally have a back shoulder guy, right. A, a, a big lanky, tall, big guy, Patrick's never really had that other than Travis Kelsey, right, as his tight end. You know, I, I put like I start I try to categorize some of these receivers into players that, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with from from the days of old or, or, or the recent past even. Um, but, you know, like MVS is definitely more along the lines of a Terrell Owens, you know, kind of a big Randy Moss back shoulder receiver that can go up and make plays. Um, you know, you've got the Juju Smith-Schuster, who's more of the Edelman type, right? He's stocky, he's compact, he's possession-based. Uh, you know, Justin Watson, uh, pick up from Penn, go Quakers, right? Fellow Penn Quaker there, uh, my man Justin. He, he's got he's got two touchdowns. He's 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 catching the uh, the Quaker touchdown record there uh, for the Chiefs. Uh, but you know, they've got guys now that are just different, and of course, the holdover who obviously is on IR. So he's not playing this week, but McCole Hardman is more along the lines of that speedy, you know, going to stretch the field, you know, both horizontally and vertically with his speed. You know, I, I, I think it's been a positive. I really have. I think, I think there were a lot of defensive coordinators that were catching on to the chiefs scheme. I mean, look, look at, just look at what the Bengals did in the second half of that game. Right. I mean, look what, look how they were able to shut that vaunted, you know, you know, speedy, receiving core and, and explosive offensive game plan down. Uh, so I think having multiple weapons now to complement what Travis Kelsey's always had with Patrick and to, um, to keep the addition of the speed, uh, you know, I think Sky Moore is going to fall into that category. You know, McCole Hardman obviously is in there. I, I kind of like it. I, I, you know, watching a lot of football and having, you know, being more offensive minded than even defensive minded. I, I like the diversification of what they've done. The Achilles heel for the Chiefs is, is their run game. It's 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 or their lack of, I should say. Um, look, not everybody's lucky enough to have a Derrick Henry or you know a, a Ezekiel Elliott or you know one of those premier running backs that you know you can just get five and a half yards of carry with you know when the time is right. And you know, I, I think if the Chiefs had somebody like a Priest Holmes or uh, you know you know, or, or somebody like a Derrick Henry or their old, you know, old stable mates of, you know, getting Kareem Hunt or somebody like that back. Um, I, I think they would be the complete team. I, I think it's probably the thing that could either uh, cause them, you know, a big speed bump or, or be their downfall is, is mm. unless Isaiah Pacheco can be that guy, which look, he's, he's not, a, he wasn't elite coming out of college, but he's making a name for himself as somebody who, you know, I've heard it said that, you know, when he runs with the football, he's trying to hurt the ground. Uh, that's how hard he runs. So I'm kind of um, I'm waiting to see how that all plays out. But uh, I think I think that's pretty much their Achilles heel on offense for sure. 
I think this matchup is great because you have a Bengals defense that is kind of like an amoeba. It kind of molds based off of what the opposition is for that week. And with the Chiefs offense, like you said, with the receivers, you don't really know where they're going to line up. Like Travis Kelsey, 43% of his snaps come from the slot. 30% comes from out wide. The other 25% is as an inline tight end. So when these guys, they're out wide for Mahomes, like where should Bengals fans expect these guys to be aligned as receivers with MVS, Juju, the whole game? Yeah, I mean, well, that's that's the thing, John. You nailed it, right? I mean, um, the, you just don't know where they're going to be, and that's the I think the beauty of of Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy's playbook. Uh, it's large, it's big, it's got a lot of uh, you know chicanery in there, right? Uh, from both a formation perspective, motions, uh, the types of plays, you know, who's going to get the ball, where it's going to go. Uh, and, and I think that is, uh, you know, that's something that always has kept people on their toes. He, Andy must have a, a very simple yet complex way to teach that playbook. And, and I think that's what I think what makes it effective. I think there's a lot of very, um, how should I say, uh, systematic complications to their offense. It's not probably too once you get to study the different combinations, it's probably not not that hard to put it together as an offensive player, but yet the addition of all those, those combinations um, makes it sort of, uh, uh, you know, exponentially more complex, uh, the more patterns and the more formations and motions that you put together. And that's, that's tough on defensive coordinators, right? I mean, the, the Andy will put in plays. I know he does this for a fact. He'll, they'll put plays in preseason early in the season when they're ahead just so other teams have to have to game plan against it. Right. Because, you know, look, time is it's, it's limited for, for these teams these days, right. They only have so much time they can practice. They only have so many times, so much time they can go full contact. Like time is, is probably their best friend and their worst enemy all at the same time. And, and I think what Andy does a good job of is throwing things at defensive coordinators that they have to spend time on. You know, Coach Schottenheimer used to do it in 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 sort of more rudimentary ways when we were playing. He'd always throw some kind of a trick play or a fake in there because what happens at practice is, you know, you get your scout team. You know, generally it's made up of your backups, practice squad guys. Sometimes if, you know, if you have injuries, sometimes starters have to be on the scout team just depending on who's available. And, you know, you'd, you'd run scout against your number ones, right, both offensively and defensively. And, you know, you draw the cards up and you only have so many plays that you can do before, you know, practice ends, right? There's only so many hours you can be out there. And so when they're scripting those cards, I always remember, like, you know, when, when I was running scout team or if I was on the first team and going against the scout team, like there was always a play that, the, that would be on those cards that you'd have to run that would be some weird play that the other team did six games ago because the coaches felt like, well, we want the team to be prepared. We want the team to be prepared. If Travis lines up at quarterback and Patrick lines up at receiver and, you know, they put in seven offensive linemen and I'm telling you, they, they think about those things, right? Because at practice, there's only so many reps that you can get. And I think that's a really long answer to a short question, but I think that's the kind of stuff that Andy Reid is masterful at, is forcing defensive coordinators to have to put those cards in their script when they're out there on the field, um, you know, repping scout plays. And and I think that's something that, you know, I I, I hope that maybe is a little, it's a little bit of an insight to your listeners and to your fans that, you know, as a former player who ran a lot of scout because I was not an everyday starter, you know, I was always – looking at these plays, like, what play is this? Like who runs the triple flea flicker, you know, where the, where the, you know, guard throws the ball, like what is who, well, the, you know, the Bengals did that six games ago against the Browns and, you know, we've got to practice it because just in case. And, and I think that's something that was, that's always going to be a piece of football that, um, you know, that, that maybe, maybe fans didn't know exist. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Talking with Joe Valerio, former Kansas City Chiefs offensive lineman, current Believe in Chiefs podcast host. Uh, you had you kind of mentioned that a player currently on the Chiefs is catching up to the Penn touchdown reception record. I, you hold that, don't you? <laughs> with four, with, hey, right? With, with. My one of my all time boyhood, you know, I'm still a fan of boyhood idols, Anthony Munoz. That's right. right? Yes. Cincinnati Bengal. We hold it together. Yep. And someday I'm going to get to meet him and number 78. And first of all, I, I can't wait to shake his hand because he literally was one of my all time favorite players growing up. I, I, I love Anthony Munoz. My, in, a, in, a, in a small world story, my college strength coach at Penn, bringing that school up again. Uh, he was actually very good friends with the strength coach of the Bengals. And um, we followed a lot of the Bengals uh, strength and conditioning uh, mantras and, 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 and strategies when I was in college. And so I got to know, you know, a lot of, well, first of all, you got Reggie Williams, you know, from Dartmouth obviously was Mm -hmm. another idol of mine coming out of the Ivy league. Uh, But like, I'll never forget my, my, uh, my strength coach was, he was absolutely enamored with Tim Crumrine. Like he he could not stop talking about Tim Crum. Well, Tim Crumride, when he gets on the leg press, he does six thousand pounds. I'm like, all right, coach. Well, I'm not Tim Crumride, you know. But like he he would go out and spend time with the Bengals, and and so I, I've always growing up in Philadelphia, you know, and, and going to Penn, I, I've always had a little bit of an affinity for for the Bengals because of that. And hmm. um, you know, and someday I, I will get to maybe shake Anthony Munoz's hand and and share that uh, story with him that we're we're co record holders. Well, we, we'll try and get him on again soon. He is as gracious of a guy as you would ever meet. He is an awesome, awesome guy. But why I brought that up is because there's another part to my question, which is yeah. some of those touchdown catches, at least I think, came in a tackle-eligible type of package from you, correct? Is that is that yeah. usually how? Okay. Yeah, they, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I, I'm just curious from a yeah. – because I didn't, I didn't play offensive line, so I'm just curious about the mindset of, of an offensive lineman when you are kind of the extra – jumbo package tackle eligible type of player out there along with five other offensive linemen what's the mind is the mindset like man this is going to be fun because either i'm catching the football or there's an extra one of us out here and i'm going to mow someone over <laughs> i'm curious because the Bengals recently have been running a little bit of that with hakeem adenogy as their as their tackle eligible yeah. guy and have been getting some some yards out of it. so i guess just from you know, an offensive lineman perspective. I want—is that just like, hey, this is fun time? Even if you're not well, maybe the, the starting offensive lineman, it just seems like the ball's either coming your way or you're going to be a big part of the play that's coming, even if it's on the ground. Well, and let's let's go back to, to let's go back to the to the genesis though of, of of people who grew up as offensive linemen. Okay, so when I came home from the little league tryouts when I was like six or seven years old, and I told my dad, who was who was a professional boxer, he he. He knew enough about football to be dangerous, but um, you know he he did know he do he did know you know a lot of the players and, and he followed the game a little bit, but he was more of a boxing and, and baseball guy. And and my my dad uh, when I came home from tryouts, I was like, Dad, I'm 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 playing offensive line because when I was in the backyard, I was always the quarterback, right? In my backyard legend games, you know, I would I would announce myself as the quarterback, right? When I would throw the ball <laughs> around to myself. Yeah. And, and so I said to my dad, I said, dad, I'm, I'm, I'm going to play offensive, offensive line. And, and that's how, when I tried out, you know, and he said, well, that's great, son. I mean, you know, he pointed out to me that it's the only position in all of football where your, your sole job is to protect other players. It's, I mean, I'm sorry, not football, all of sports. It's the only position where your job is to protect other players. But I asked him point blank. I said, dad, when am I going to get my name in the paper? And he said, probably when you jump off sides on fourth down and cost the team the game. And I was like, well, that's not good. And I said, well, dad, when am I going to get my name on the loudspeaker? He said, "Mm, probably when you get a holding penalty. And I was like, wow, like I'm going to have to find some different motivations here to playing this position and being successful at it. Right. So you learn to find joy in helping other people score touchdowns, right? You're at the bottom of of a pile. You got fingers in your eye, right? You got knees in your back right? Your face is in the mud and you hear Marcus Allen touchdown. <sighs> and you're like, okay. Like, you know, it's like, all right. Like I did that. Like, you know, and so Joe Montana 
Like I was, I was always the, the, even in my first and second year before Joe Montana got there, I was always the, we called it the tank tight end. Right. So I would come in and, and be the third tight end. And it was, you know, it was always blocking. i never would go out, but they, they put in this one play uh, early on when Joe Montana came and when we implemented the West coast offense in Kansas city. And they, they put in this play uh, where I would go and be a decoy in the, uh, in the, about five yards into the end zone, I would stand and put my hands up and I was basically a human wall, a human screen, right. For the tight end and the H back or the fullback, whoever was making the crossing route, they would cross behind me. And hopefully I, you know, pick somebody off being, you know, six, five, you know, a biscuit away from 300 pounds. Right. So I would stand there and one day we're at practice and Joe has got this grin on his face that Joe Montana devilish grin that he had when he was playing a joke on somebody and he's staring at me and he's pumping the ball. And I'm like, dude, don't even think about it. And he's like, he's looking right at me and I'm like, throw it over there, buddy. And he guns this thing at me and he fires. And I, I, I played basketball in high school and I was a catcher and I actually thought I was going to play baseball in college, um, huh. which is a whole nother story. So I, I have pretty good hands. I you know, was able to play, you know, pretty competitive high school and maybe even college baseball. Uh, as a catcher. So I, I can, I can move my hands around and catch things. And I caught the darn thing. And, and I'm telling Paul Hackett, like threw his clipboard up in the air and comes running over. And he's like, Joe, you are going to catch a touchdown this year. And I was like, geez, coach. I was like, this West coast offense really does open up things when a 300 pound guy is going to be catching touch. I was like, you're kidding me. But we put the play in and, and, you know, it was like, it was just like the thing that helped me to, to kind of answer your question. I'm sorry I went off on that story. But no, it's, it's, it's good. Like, that's why I asked stuff. it. That's why I asked it to hear this kind of stuff. That's what, that's what the, I wanted. The, the thing about it that I think is the most important thing when you get a person in a position that they're not used to playing. And this is, I think this is a lesson that I've learned to take even in, in my own like professional life or, 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 or personal life post football is you have to trust people. Right. And guys like Joe Montana have when you're prepared, they have a complete and utter trust in their team. And he never looked at he he called the play the first time when we ran it against the Raiders. He called the play literally like I was Jerry Rice. Like he didn't look at me and try to, like, you know, make sure my hands didn't, you know, have, you know, Vaseline on them or anything from, you know, slicking up my pads, which we used to do, by the way, don't, don't tell anybody I told you that they'll take away, put asterisks next to all of our wins. We used to put Vaseline on our pads so the defensive lineman couldn't grab our shoulder. Well, there, pads. You go. Um, there you go. So, um, you know, he didn't like, you know, he didn't act like I was a 300 pound buffoon, you know, who was going to be hopefully not drop the thing. He called the play. We went up and we ran it. Like it was amazing. And I'm telling you, that's what really that's what helped me each time, because he had utter, complete confidence in all of his players. And if he would have looked at me and he would have kind of if there would have been one even iota of doubt in his mind or in his eyes when he called the play, when he looked at me, I probably would have dropped. him. <laughs> you know what I mean? But he didn't. And I think that's that's the thing, you know, for offensive linemen to be able to hear your name called for doing something good. Um, it was really special. Uh, I've got to be honest. Um, and, but it did cost me a lot because I used to have to take the offensive line and the quarterbacks and tight ends out for dinner after each touchdown. So uh, I spent a lot of my game check because um, we had a fine board in, in, in the line room where, you know, if you got your name in, on, in the paper or you had an interview, we would charge each other fines and we would fund a big uh, offensive line uh, party at the end of the year, karaoke, whatever we needed to do. And uh, I funded a lot of dinners, a lot of dinners on those touchdowns. So it was definitely worth it. You can see I got the ball. You know, for those who can see the video, I got I got the, the Montana balls are right behind me. Those, oh, there you go. Yep. Those brown, those brown ones up in the top shelf there. Uh, those are the and then one Steve Bono uh, from from the Arizona game. But uh, the three the three Joe balls are there. And, uh, you know, I made sure Alan Wright, who's my hero, made sure that as soon as I had those balls in my hand, he ran out onto the field and grabbed it from me so he could save it for me. So That's awesome. uh, he was, he was my hero, but anyway, that was a, that was a long story. Thanks for indulging me in that. Of but, course. Uh, yeah, of course. good stuff. Now we learned a lot. Former 
Kansas City Chief and now admitted cheater, dirty, dirty cheater, Joe Valeri. Yes, yes, yes. You now watch this, right? So so somebody from the Bengals is gonna call out one of the Chiefs offensive linemen for having like silicon or Vaseline on their shoulder past this counts, week. Man. And it'll only cost Any them the game counts. and I'll be the you'll be coming after me. <laughs> Joe, it's time for some it's time for some light trivia here. I'm gonna I'm gonna okay. name you a stat line, and you're gonna tell me which of these two players the stat line belongs to. Now, this came from weeks eight and nine of this season, right after uh, Jamar Chase exited the lineup with a hip injury. So we have a stat line of 11 receptions for 90 yards and a touchdown. Now, which of the Bengals receivers does the stat line belong to? Hayden Hurst or T. Higgins? Hayden Hurst? Wrong. It was actually Joe Mixon. So none of the Chiefs media knows the difference between these two players, apparently. Listen, it was supposed to be multiple choice. You should have, you should have watched the film, man. I don't know. <laughs> I, I know I know the fans have to be happy he's back, though. I know they yeah. have to be they have they have to be happy he's back. But yeah, like, uh, P, P Ryan's played pretty well in his in his absence. But yeah, yeah, I mean I think all hands on deck is always good. Yeah. Can, can we talk about this, though? Can we talk about what, what the hell just happened with Justin Reed? It, feel, it feels like he got set up a little bit by well, the report. Hold on. Because... Hold on. Can, we, can, we, can I cue it up? Can I, can I yeah. play it here? All right. Let's, yeah, let's, let's cue it, it up. Um, hopefully, everybody can see this in just a second. It's going to be really classy because I'm pulling up the video straight off of Twitter here. So, you're going to get a lot of ancillary stuff on the side. But that's all right. It's the video itself. Hopefully everybody can hear it. Let's uh, let's play it. I think this is the one. A big time tackle, like some of the missed tackles, explosive plays. Um, a lot of it's going to come down to making the play on the ball, you know. And they have eighty-eight um, Higby. No, it's not. It's not Higby with the Rams. Um, what's his name? It is Higgins. It's Higgins. It's Higby and Higgins. Uh-huh. They're going to have him back. He's a very talented receiver too. More of a finesse type of guy. Um, not the best blocker. Um, I'm going to lock him down, you know, <laughs> straight up. Uh, so, you know, we're going to have to come on the game. Like I said, play our best game and go out and do it. The All right. Time. So let me let me share a response that came out today. This is that was from Fox yeah. for Kansas City. And this is Hayden Hurst, not Tyler Higby, Hayden Hurst. Yeah. Uh, and I don't I actually don't know if he swears in this one. If he does, I apologize. So everybody plug your ears if you're listening later on or whatever. He may say a little dirty word here. I don't know. But Ben Baby of ESPN, who covers the Bengals, here's Hayden Hurst's response. I don't know. I mean, you could pick anybody in this locker room, but you know, I feel like I'm the last person you probably want to talk shit about because um, I have a long memory. I don't know. So yeah, there maybe. you go. Uh, Hayden Hurst's response. So just to, go ahead, John. Ask your question now that, now that the video is queued up. Well, for starters, I, I do feel like that reporter set him up because I, I don't feel like Reed bit. was like, yeah, he wasn't trying to mess up there. Like it was, oh, is it Higby? No, he was thinking of a, a last name with H. And then the reporter said Higgins for whatever reason because it sounds like Higby. And then Justin Reed kind of ran with it. But my question for Joe is, regardless if it's quote unquote bullet board material, like it's not a bad thing for these players to have like the comments like, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna lock him up. R- r- regardless if he got the name wrong, like it's not a bad thing necessarily to have that kind of bravado, I guess, when you're going up in a big time matchup, right? No, you know, you listen, you, you want, you, you want your teammates to have the confidence, right? There's a, there's a fine line between arrogance, cockiness and confidence. Right. And, and I, I remember when, when Patrick Mahomes, uh, you know, said, you know, listen, we're, we're going to go out and, and we're going to win 20 games this year. Well, what would you want him to say? <laughs> Do you want him to say, right. Hey, you know what? Maybe if we win like 14 and lose six, like things will be all right. Like, no, you want to win every game. Like, I, 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 so, so yeah, there's a big difference between confidence and, and arrogance. And well, I shouldn't say there's a big difference. It's actually a fine line. Um, but yeah, you, you want, you want your, what do you want him to say? No, nah, I think he's going to beat me like three times and, and, and they're going to come out and be the, like, yeah. It's, you know, it's it's good to have this kind of stuff. I, I, I think after watching some of the other things that have gone back and forth on social media between everybody, it doesn't it doesn't seem as dramatic, I think, as people might think it is. Um, you know, now when players come out and they, you know, there there's a there's also a fine line between, you know, having a good 
ribbing and and having creating a little bit of rivalry with that kind of confidence maybe it's bordering on cockiness um you know to where you get to the point where it's insulting right where if you're saying that somebody's not prepared or they're you know less than less than performing at their best i mean you know i think i think it can be it can go it can take a really bad turn if you're not careful with those kind of comments and and the tweets and, and all those things. So I, I think this is probably a little bit more blown out of proportion that, than it is. If I were a player, uh, you know, I, I just, the one thing I think is, is frustrating us, but seriously, you know, not to backtrack, but about, about Justin Reed. I mean, I mean, he probably should know the players pretty much inside and out. I mean, <laughs> Because, you know, you get a playbook, you know, on yeah. Tuesday, right? You get a, you, know, you get a playbook and it's going to have the depth chart in it. And, and, and I'm assuming everything is electronic these days. You know, we used to actually get an actually photocopied playbook, uh, a game day playbook, inserts and everything. And, it, and the first page was always the depth chart. It was always a lineup of the players that you were going to be playing against, the whole team, and then, of course, the first thing you're looking at is the one, two, and three deep of the player that you're going against, right? So I knew that, you know, when we were playing the Raiders, I wasn't going to be like, yeah, what's that guy's name? Howie Short? No, Howie Long, right? Like, no. <laughs> I knew exactly who I was blocking in that game. And and I knew every lineman on the line. I knew what their best moves were, you know, uh, and what, how they used their hands and what their alignment looked like and when they were in cover two and – when they were going to blitz and their blitz packages. So I'm a little disappointed that, that he didn't know the names because, you know, is it, this is a team that, that this is the third time they're meeting in, in two years. Right. So, eh. so, I mean, a little, I am a little disappointed with Justin in that. And he did, didn't cause that, that I think was more of the, the bulletin board material saying that he was just going to lock somebody down. Of course he's going to say he's going to lock somebody down. What do you want him to say? No, I want him to beat me. So, yeah. I think that was probably a little bit more where where there was some issue being taken, which is like you yeah. know you're not even you know you're going to lock down players that you don't even really know the the, the names of at that. But at, at any rate, I, I guess you know there's a lot of other stuff we want to get to, maybe a little X's yeah. and O's and predictions and whatnot. Mm-hmm. If you've got a little time, I got uh, it, man. Let's do it. All right, I would love to keep chatting with you, but um, I, just to kind of piggyback off of that, I don't want to overstep or overstate or use hyperbole too much here, but. I, you know, the last handful of games uh, that these two teams played, the two last year, um, you know, you can go all the way back to 03 when the Bengals beat them. And they that's when the Bengals kind of arrived under Marvin Lewis and the Chiefs weren't defeated and they came to Cincinnati. There's a lot of big games, big storylines, mm-hmm. sometimes heartbreak, especially on the Kansas City Chiefs side. Now you've got these comments by Justin Reed, the response by Hurst and Higgins. You've got Carlos Dunlap, who left Cincinnati – now on the on the Chiefs, and he left Cincinnati very unceremoniously a couple of years ago. That didn't go that great. Uh, and then, of course, the bad taste in the mouth from the two losses last year. I mean, is this kind of bordering on, I don't know, like divisional rivalry type of stuff? I mean, j- there's also Juju Smith-Schuster who came from the Steelers. There's a, some bad blood there with him and the Bengals from his – I don't know. I'm just kind of trying to connect some dots here, and it's like there's a lot of emotion, it seems – going into this this game and they, these two teams going against each other. Oh god, yeah. Anthony, you're 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 spot on, man. I mean, th- this is definitely becoming a, a pretty amazing rivalry. I mean, I'm 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 thinking and and seriously, not just because we're talking and 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 we're getting ready for this this Bengals game, uh Bengals Chiefs game, but I I think it's better than any rivalry that the Chiefs have in their own division at this point. Wow. I mean, Wow. It's a disaster. You know, the AFC West, I went into this season just to, you know, not to not to go off on a tangent, but I went into this season so pumped, so pumped about the AFC West. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I was like, oh, it's back. You know, it's back to the days of Elway and Montana and Derek Thomas and all those great Christian Okoye, all those AFC West rivalries that we had back in the 90s yeah. and even into the 2000s, right? Peyton Manning and. It was just like, it's been such a busted balloon. Like the only thing we really have going in the AFC West right now really is with the Chargers. You know, the Raiders are an absolute disaster. Can't even, we could have a whole podcast on what is going on in Denver. Um, and, and you know, so when you look at it that way, 
Um, you know, even though the, you know, the Raiders still, it's Chiefs Raiders and they always talk about Raider week, blah, blah, blah. But you're absolutely right, man. This is, this is going to be one of the games, two of the teams that are just their, their fate just keeps finding a way to get them together in really good games. And, and in a, and in a very, um, how should I say, uh, exciting way. Um, I'm thinking right now, when I think about the Chiefs and the games that I look most forward to, uh, I'd have to say it's this game, uh, the Bengals, uh, based on the history, right? I mean, they, they they seem to have the Chiefs number. They kept them from going to the Super Bowl, got the Bengals back in the big game. Like, how cool is that? You got this young buck, Joe Burrow, who's a statuesque, you know, quarterback. Of He kind of reminds me of those quarterbacks of old. You know, he's 6'4", he's a big dude. He takes hits. He stands in the pocket. It's kind of like, you know, goes back to those Marino, Elway type days, right? Yeah. Um, I, I love it. And I think between the Bengals and the Bills, that's where I see the Chiefs kind of like, you know, kind of signing their paychecks at this point, really, if you think about it. Um, those are the games that have really uh, caused a lot of stir, I think. And I, I think this game – uh, is is going to be one of them. And I think as long as both of these teams keep finding a way to improve in the draft and they keep finding a way to improve uh, both strategically and, and and by their systems, that it's going to be a rivalry that's only going to get better. Um, I, I, I think it's, you know, the only thing that would really, you know, maybe get in the way of, is, is, you know, is injury. Um, because I, what I'm, what I'm really excited about going into this game is is that is that the Bengals are back on track, right? I think I, I was a little concerned there for a while um, before you know what is it three straight they've won. Like I was I I I was a little concerned that if they didn't pull out one or two of these games, that this game wasn't going to be as meaningful um, for the Chiefs because if you look at the rest of their schedule, it's actually pretty weak. I think I think I saw a, a, a graph, an infographic on ESPN not too long ago that the Chiefs have the the, the weakest schedule uh, for, for the remainder of the season, hmm. and and it's and it, I mean it's like by a big margin, like it's not even close uh, how far down <clears throat> their schedule is uh, compared to everybody else's, and that can actually be a bad thing. I think I think you can get into a lull going into the playoffs, so. I'm glad that this game is going to be what it's being hyped to be, um, and that there's a little bit of a little bit of that, uh, you know, kind of bulletin board stuff flying around. Yeah, yeah. Um, that the Bengals are playing better. That they're healthy. Like I'm so excited they're healthy because I'm like I'm the type of guy, and I've when I was coaching high school football, I always used to tell the kids like you want to play in the big games. Like you you want to you want to beat the teams at their best. You don't want to play a team where they don't have their quarterback yeah. or their star receiver or their best middle linebacker. Like you want to beat the team at their best. And that's kind of like what I'm excited about this game, that everybody's back. If anything, the Chiefs are a little bit of a disadvantage, you know, having a couple of guys out. But but all in all, I think, um, you know, I think that I think that the teams are going in relatively full strength. Yeah. So we see here from Dan, the man Chiefs playing <laughs> the Bengals, the Broncos, the Texans. But I mean, Seattle is a pretty decent out right now, and then Denver again. Yeah, yeah it's like yeah, that's <laughs> oh, three bye weeks. That's it's brutal. Crazy. I was like, Dan, Dan, my hat's off to you, man. That's a great commentary because and and so I am kind of excited that this game is happening right now because this is going to get both teams ready for the playoffs. So um, mm -hmm. kind of you know looking forward to seeing how it all shakes out. Well, Joe, we want to get a question from a very loyal listener by the name of Mister Whisper who donated ten dollars to directly to the David Pollock Family Foundation. So thank you, Mr. Whisper, again. But he's asking about the defense a little bit. What is your opinion on the Chiefs' secondary now that you know Tyron Matthew and Shardavius Ward are out of the picture? How do they stack up against this Bengals passing attack now with Jamar Chase back in the picture? I, 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 like, them, I like them better. I, I think, look, it, getting rid of Tyron Matthew, and, or not even getting rid of him, but him, him exiting, exiting the scene, um, you know, was tough because he was a he was a he was a vocal leader. He was a, a, a he was a tough 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 player. We kind of kind of watch him right now, and he's he's it was a, it was it was a flail there for a while for him. Uh, wasn't as bad as you know Russell Wilson, but but he yeah. wasn't you know he really wasn't playing as well. And, and could it could it, it could have been you know Steve Spagnuolo's scheme 
that was making him shine in this, you know, in this defense that that uh, Steve Spagnuolo has put together. But you know, look, I, I think I think the world of this kid, uh, Trent McDuffie. I I, I think yeah. he's going to be a star. I really do. I think that was a huge improvement there. Um, you know, I think um, you know, look as as bad as 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 bad as this whole bulletin board thing might turn out to be, because um, time will tell. But I think Justin Reed is is having a is having a really nice season. Um, I think he's he he plays well against the run. He comes up and makes plays. Um, he, he's not afraid to stick his nose in there, but he also has, you know, the, the wherewithal and, and, and the speed and the skill still at his age to, to, to make plays. Um, you know, I think Legereus need has gotten better, not only every season, but every game, um, he gets a little bit better. And, and I think Juan Thornhill is, you know, a solid, right. The thing that I, the thing that this, this defense is, um, to sort of kind of round out the answer to the question is not just the secondary. It's made up of a lot of B plus players, right? I mean, short of Chris Jones, um, you know, who's look, the guys he's, he's on fire right now. And, and, and the reason why he's on fire is, is he's, he's playing like a team player. And, and for the, for the, not the first time in his career, but he, consistently this year, he has given up, it being all about Chris Jones and he is being a disciplined pass rusher. He is, um, he's, he's, he's thinking about his teammates. He's, he's absorbing two and three linemen in the run game and, and, and leaving uh, some open lanes for the, for the running or for the uh, linebackers to, to make plays. Um, And, and I really think that is kind of the embodiment of this whole defense. So want to keep on your question about the, about the defensive secondary, is is they're they're not you know there's not a a, a a super you know first ballot Pro Bowl Hall of Famer right now back there but man they're playing like a team and I and I think that's been Steve Spagnuolo's best thing that he's done with this team is he's put everybody in the right position to succeed um, he hasn't left anybody out on an island and I don't know I, I, there's a there's a lot of um, arguments you could say about that is it better to have you know more a players um and and, and round it out with other players i'm a big believer that, that football is an, is the ultimate team sport and and you've got i'd rather have you know a lot of b's and a's and b pluses and a minuses and even like maybe that one c in there than have like nine a players and a d because that d is going to come back and kill you or that or that c minus player is going to come back and it's going to bite you so anyway, I know it's a as a long question about the or a long answer about the about the um, the D backs, but I, I can tell you, you know, the fact that Jamar Chase is back, you know, I I I, I really I think the world of this receiving core, I think they're as diverse as the Chiefs uh, receiving mm. core, and I think if Joe Burrow, you know, if if he has the time like he had in the second half of that last game the Chiefs played. He's going to be able to do some things, uh, you know, with with this core uh, receiving core that he has, because they're like I said, they're, they're like the Chiefs. They're diversified. Right. I mean, I last year in fantasy, I had Tyler Boyd as one of my uh, one of my receivers. And, um, you know, I, I think they um, you know, I, I think they th- that's probably going to be one of the key matchups that I'm going to watch in this game is I'm going to watch how Joe Burrow approaches. Uh, this receiving core's uh, ability to get open against this defensive backfield. You know, what, what's going to be, uh, what's, what are going to be the routes? Are they going to flood? Are they going to try to pick on one guy? You know, are they going to stretch the field horizontally? Are they going to stretch it vertically? Like what's, what's Joe's game plan and what's the offensive coordinator's game plan going to be against this, against this uh, backfield? Um, the next kind of matchup that I think I, I really am excited to see staying on that side of the ball is I'm really anxious to see if they can get to Joe Burrow in a different way. Right. I think, I think they need to, to rush him a little bit differently. I think he's the kind of quarterback that you need to discipline rush up the middle. Um, Yeah. Certainly if you can get your, your defensive ends to, to get around the tackles fast, fine. But I think they're going to have to keep him in the pocket, but, get the pressure from the middle. Um, and I think that's what, you know, Chris Jones has been doing. So that's, a, that's the second matchup that I'm going to watch in this game is, 
is the Chiefs not allowing Joe Burrow to find the pocket within the pocket. That's what I like to call it. When you know, when 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 you know, when you get undisciplined in your pass rush, you create these seams for quarterbacks, and that is what Patrick Mahomes does magically, right? He he has an uncanny way of finding the pocket within the pocket. And uh, so the best way to rush him, I think, is the same way you want to rush Joe Burrow and the way that you want to rush it like a Josh Allen. Talk with Joe Valerio, former Kansas City Chiefs offensive lineman, current Believe in Chiefs podcast host. Uh, before we kind of get your predictions and start wrapping up, Joe, I don't know how much you have paid attention to this Bengals rebuilt offensive line because that Titans game, I think, last year was kind of the big catalyst to this team saying, Regardless of how the rest of the postseason plays out, we got to make some changes. And they did. Four new starters on the offensive line for the Bengals. Given that you are and uh, and played offensive line in the NFL, I would love to get your assessment of the new group of the, of the Cincinnati Bengals, what you've seen there, and maybe how they stack up, hopefully in a better way, than even last year when they stepped up and played well in the second half of the AFC Championship game. Well, yeah, I mean, they're, they're obviously grading out very, very well. You know, when you look at the, at sort of the, they got all these stats now, right? My God, it's, it's crazy. The, the kind of stats that they keep, um, you know, I mean, back when I was playing in the nineties, it was like, you know, rushing yards, passing yards, you know, now they're, you know, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, but they're grading out extremely well. The Leo Collins pickup was fantastic. Right. And, and the chiefs, the chiefs did this, you know, the same thing when they struggled, um, you know, that year that they, they had the almost, in, I would call it an embarrassment in the Super Bowl. Um, you know, it, it, what, what I think general managers and, and, and head coaches learn very early on, or not early on, but they learn in a dramatic way, I should say, when you don't have things up front working, it, it, it's nothing's going to work. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, if, if you can't, if you can't create a little bit of time and space for your quarterback, if you can't get an offensive line that works together well chemistry wise, um, that that running backs don't you don't you don't pick the the hole that the running back's going to run in. You want to actually you want the running back to have a couple of ways to go. And, and what I'm seeing, um, especially in the passing, the pass protection has been great, right? Joe Joe has gotten, you know, I, I don't think unless something dramatic happens, I don't think we're going to see another Titans debacle like we saw just based on the history of these last, you know, 11 games and, and where the, and where this, this line has played and how they've demonstrated their success. So I think Bengals fans can feel, you know, very comfortable that you're, you're not going to see a debacle like that. Um, you know, it, it could, could, could Steve Spagnola, you know, throw a blitz in here and there that could cause Joe Burrow some angst you know, that's what he's probably going to going to try to do. Um, could Chris Jones create a little havoc if, you know, they can find a way to get him singled up? You know, that's that's what I think um, Bengals fans should be looking for is how often can they slide the protection to Chris Jones? Um, how, you know, how often can they make him the one that's getting the double team in pass protection as opposed to having him singled up against the guard? Because if you go back and watch him, um, when he's singled up against the guard, he's winning every time. Like it's 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 been it's been actually silly, um, even against some some really good uh, some guards, uh, off, you know, Pro Bowl type offensive guards. So that's something that I think Bengals fans should really look out for is is what what will the bang how will the Bengals coaching staff adjust to making sure that they're sliding the protection to Chris Jones and that they're getting that extra lineman on him. Um, to bump off, you know, uh, when when the, when the protection is is going that direction. Um, so that's going to be, I think that's going to be critical. And then the other thing, you know, you want to look for is, you know, Joe Mixon's the kind of running back that, um, you know, he needs to have two he needs to have two ways to go, right? He's not going to be he's not Earl Campbell, you know, he's not uh, Christian Okoye, where you know he's Christian Okoye used to run us over as offensive linemen. Like we used to, we used to, we used to wear pads on the back of our, our triceps called Christian pads because he would run into us and you'd have these bruises all on the back of your arms. And you're like, I, why Christian, can you see me? Like, um, you know, I'm wearing red and I'm 300 pounds. Like, and, but you know, he, when he was, when he was going downhill, he was going downhill. Um, so 
but with that, like what this what this Bengals line is doing is is they're 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 finding ways to get their hips together, and they're um, they're doing a great job of of blocking the the next level with the defensive lineman's butt. I call it right. So picture two two guys getting together right and pushing a defensive lineman together right because now you got 600 pounds of, of of dude going against 300 pounds right so that 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 works and and they're working together and they're pushing that lineman into the linebacker and that then gives guys like Joe Mixon two lanes to go cut left he can cut right because they're not dictating where they're not sticking their 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 you know their butts into in out into the hole and kind of telling the running back where to go they're not they're not we used to call that like position blocking or sometimes we call it like butt blocking where you just like you're positioning yourself around the defensive lineman. So, you know, you're dictating where the running back's going to go. That's what they're not doing. And, and I think that's why they've had, you know, really uh, so much success in, in, in the run game um, and why, you know, I think why Joe Mixon's been successful and, and, you know, and why he's averaging, you know, you know, 3.8 yards a carry. Um, and that's, a, and that's a lot of, you know, that's a that's a that's a great average when your longest is only 31. Okay, he's only got one big run to to throw off, you know, the uh the average. Um so so I I like the way that he's he's running the ball. So, yeah, really really uh, I I think, you know, to answer the question, it was a lot of words. Uh you know, I I think this offensive line rebuilt is is really coming together for for four four starters new. I mean, you know, hats off to to the coaching staff for for getting the chemistry together so quickly. Yeah, I mean, if Chris Jones sacks Burrow maybe once or twice more in that championship game, maybe that game goes a different way. So, Joe Valerio, is that how you see this game going down? Is Chris Jones going to get to Burrow one more time or are the Chiefs going to get this win? Yeah, this is a good one. You know, I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, come off as like a, a chief's homer. I, you know, I, I do really truly like to be objective. And like I've said, I've, I've, I have predicted losses before for the chiefs, even though I follow them, cover them, play for them. Um, I, I know that this game is going to be very close or, or, or at least I can feel it in my heart and my brain that this game is going to be really close. I, I think it's going to be a three point game. Uh, I think there's going to be enough emotion um, on the Chiefs' side that, that they are going to uh, prevail, but I think it's going to be like, and maybe this is, I don't know, maybe some people consider this high scoring or medium scoring. I don't know. I, I think it's going to be like 30 to 27. I think the chiefs will, will, will kick a field goal and put them ahead. Um, and, and I just, that's, that's kind of the way I see it going. Emperor star scream. I know that's, that's, that's just, I love, I love yeah. that. You know, everyone's picking them there. Um, but I just I just have a feeling that's the way it's going to go. And you know what? With those kind of three point games, it can go either way. So you know, I always throw that out there when you're making predictions that you know when when you're predicting someone to win by three, you're almost saying, eh, it's almost like a toss up, right? Because it can one like you said, one more Chris Jones sack. Listen, the Chiefs don't get it right in special teams. They better get it right because they're they're really struggling in special teams right now. And it's not just Sky Moore dropping punts. Their, their entire special teams, uh, just they don't have the right chemistry. They don't have the right guys rounding out the, the special teams roster. And as you know, you know, 20% of the players on the team make 80% of the money, right, in round numbers, right? Pareto's law at this point. And, and the problem is with the salary cap, you know, debacle is that, you, you know, you give all these players, you know, you give Patrick Mahomes half a billion dollars, and you've got to round your roster out with with league minimum rookies and second year players because when you get to four years, you know there's a huge jump in the minimum salary that you have to give players these days. So you don't have those four, five, eight year veterans on special teams like you used to, where you know they're going to be very consistent. And um, the Chiefs are kind of for some reason have struggled with finding that right balance in special teams. So. You know, again, one special team snafu, and it's it's thirty three, thirty Bengals win. You know, I mean, so it's it's it, it can go either way. I I, I guess I'd, I'd have to pick the Chiefs, just covering them and knowing what I know about how they're rolling right now and and how they're playing and how their defense is really 
coming along. I mean, their and their offense is, you know, while it, it didn't it didn't look like they could get the ball in the end zone against the Rams in the last game, uh, they still are pretty powerful, especially between the twenties. So that's what I'm thinking. But I think it could go either way too. Fair enough. There's I, I don't want to say if there's two if there are two things I am certain of, but I, I would say there are two things that I would feel pretty confident in saying, and that is number one, if if the Chiefs do get up somewhat big at the half based on what happened last year, the Bengals mm-hmm. will make a game of it, regardless of what ends up being the outcome. And number two, <laughs> this could very well be another playoff preview uh in this year's in this year's bracket as well again regardless of the outcome but joe thank you so much for all of your time before we get you out of here got to you got to tell us about your show tell us what you're up to the believe in chiefs podcast where and when people can find it and where Bengals fans can maybe scream at you at least for this week um (laughs) on, on videos and all that kind of stuff and of course twitter handle all that good stuff Oh yeah, no, it's uh, my Twitter handles at Joe Valerio seventy three. Uh, the Believe in Chiefs podcast. If you just you know, it's a kind of an odd spelling uh, B L E A V, but it is pronounced Believe. It's the Believe Podcast Network. Uh, it's my my podcast partner Jeff Fedoten, who is a Kansas City native, uh, who writes for Forbes magazine, covers covers the Chiefs. Uh, you know, we do it weekly. I think we're up on like our 162nd episode. So we're having a blast uh, doing it each week. And, you know, it, look, it's, it's, yeah, it's the chiefs, but you know, we, we talk about a lot of things. We talk about offensive line play. You know, we get some, we get guests on, um, you know, from the media, we get former players on. So it, it's, it's more than just, you know, it's not all chiefs all the time, um, but, but we have a blast with it. Um, it's, it's really fun to, you know, offer up some funny stories and, and things that might just be a little bit, uh, insightful, um, you know, about, about what it was like to play and, uh, to have some of those experiences. So it's a blast to join you, Anthony and John, so much fun. You guys do such a great job with the production. Again, apologies for the audio uh, difficulties there at the beginning. Um, but, uh, you know, it was, it was a long day at work and, uh, you know, so, uh, so all my, all my, all my, uh, my equipment was failing after a long day of work. So. I, I, I appreciate it. And I mean, you're seeing all the compliments from our, our live listeners. Um, you know, I, I appreciate you making so much. And we wanted to make sure we, we gave you an entire episode, sir, because last time you took us to school and uh, I mean, we, I felt like you were drawing stuff up on the chalkboard with us basically. And uh, teaching us a lot, telling us a lot. And we appreciate the insight. Like I said, hopefully this is a preview of a matchup to come in the postseason, and if and when it is, we would love to have you back on the show oh. and uh, chat more if you're willing and able. I would love to, guys. Always a pleasure, and uh, yeah, enjoy the game. It's going to be a great one. You know, I think it's going to be it's going to be a great game. So get the popcorn out, get the chips and salsa, and <laughs> uh, you know, let's let's see how this all turns out. I think it's uh, not only a preview, maybe of what's happening in January, but a preview of might be happening for the next decade. Right. uh, As these two teams continue to develop and and build their teams around around these two fine quarterbacks. So fun stuff. All right. Thanks, Joe. Take care. We'll we'll talk to you soon. All right. See you guys. I hope so. Uh, That was Joe Valerio of the Believe in Chiefs podcast. What a great guy. Love that guy. Um, And, uh, you know, just always brings it always brings the enthusiasm, the knowledge, all that stuff. John, we wanted to make sure that we gave him a full episode because you know, 15, 20 minutes with Joe would not do, do it justice. That's the question, man. That's, that's just one question for him. So yeah, I love it. I love it. Well, everybody, we will uh, see you soon. We're uh, are we doing listener questions tomorrow, John? I don't know. I'm putting you on the spot. Why not? Uh, All right. Well, we'll try and carve out some time for listener questions. live. if you, if you haven't gotten sick of it, I should have told Joe this, um, but unfortunately he uh, just took off, but, um this is like our uh, at least on the youtube channel um this is our one like 1000 and first video or a thousandth video um all on, right on the youtube yeah so kind of should have told joe that uh to make him feel a little extra special there but uh regardless we appreciate everybody uh you know hanging with us for that long i guess that's showing how old we are at this point in time but um that's where we are john uh we are in the four digits in terms of content uh, overall content on the channel no joke dude i legit 
like went back uh, a couple days ago and watched like some of the early videos. Like we're going all the way back to 2018. We're talking like Google Tyler Hangouts. Eifert. We're talking like Tyler Eifert in training camp injuries and Google Hangouts when you can only yeah. see one face at a time right. based off of right. who's talking. So quite quite the growth this show has taken mainly thanks to you. So no, no, thanks to you, my friend. But uh, and thanks to the listeners for hanging with us for that long and all the new ones. Uh, Hey, by the way, um, we uh, he doesn't have his own channel, but we he was gracious enough to allow us to put it on our channel. Drew Garrison of Cincy Jungle had a pretty fun interview with Ted Karras. Um, it was about 15 minutes or so. Really cool. And obviously you get the idea of how great of a guy he is. So go check that out on our Cincy Jungle podcast channel, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all of the major ones, and of course our YouTube channel. Um, it's all there for you. There's also a write-up on Cincy Jungle. And then go ch- go get yourself a Cincy hat, the CincyHat.com. It benefits the Marici Village, which helps adults with de- developmental disabilities in all kinds of different ways. So really cool thing that he is just jumping in, not only with being a fan favorite, John, but um, you know, doing things for the community right away, being a new bangle. Phenomenal interview that Drew did with Ted, and yeah, you get the whole insight on his Cincy hats and everything else that you could possibly want with Ted Karras. So definitely check that out. All right. Well, take care, everybody. We'll be back with more and a big one on tap this Sunday. Hopefully you enjoy it. Take care.